We'll be in 1 John chapter number 5 this morning, 1 John chapter number 5. As you're turning there, I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of God if you're physically able to. Uh, need to have you guys just be uh, praying again for the MacArthur's. I know they said uh, to tell everybody that they love them and they're going to miss them and uh, just be praying for them as they're transitioning for this move to Maine and uh, I know God's going to use them in a mighty way because they're servants that are willing to be used. And so let me encourage you guys just to keep praying for them. And then uh, we still have some uh, folks that are sick. Pray for my wife. She's not feeling well this morning. Uh, if you would pray for her, I'd really appreciate that as well. Okay, First John chapter number 5, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that cometh uh, by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And is the Spirit, and beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Verse 4 and 5 is where we're going to get our text this morning. I was reading through this. I had another message. I was going back and forth all week between these two different thoughts. And uh, just began to ask the Lord what... He wanted me to preach, and it wasn't until this morning sitting in my office that he really made it clear on which one, because I thought I was going to have to preach them both, and then you guys would have been in trouble this morning. Uh, but no, he uh, gave me clarity this morning. Verse 4 and 5, it said this, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And I want you to think about that victory that overcome of the world, the victory that we have in the Lord. And I'm going to preach a message to you this morning on how to live a victorious Christian life. How to live a victorious Christian life. There's so many people wrapped up in the bondage of sin in this world because they feel like they just have to go that route. And uh, you don't have to. You can have victory in Jesus. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you for the thoughts that you've given me this morning. Lord, I pray that you will use the message that you'll speak to hearts, or that you'll help us, Lord, to, uh, Lord, just to follow you and live a victorious Christian life. Lord, I ask you, please, to be with those that could not be here due to sickness or injury or whatever the reason may be, maybe at work, maybe family uh, gatherings or different things of that nature. I pray that you'll bring folks back to church. Would you bring more visitors our way? Uh, Lord, may we see more souls saved, more lives changed. Uh, Lord, may we continue to be a lighthouse for you. Uh, Lord, not for our own glory, but to lift your name on high, that you'll be highly exalted. Lord, if there's any in our midst today that do not know you as our personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. But Lord, as we leave here, Lord, may we be able to live in victory in our Christian life, not in bondage to sin uh, all the time. And Lord, I just thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the truths of it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. The overcoming life or victorious Christian life that abundant Christian life that is only found through the Lord is of utmost importance today. Why? We're living in difficult days. It's very important for us to live in a victorious Christian life. It is very important for you and I to live in such a way that we can find victory 
uh, in our lives. But there's some things that we need to keep in mind as we go through these. And listen, a real genuine testimony for Christ stands out today more than it ever has. You say, why? Because the world's getting worse and worse. And the more that we live for God, the more we do for God, it stands out in our society today because people notice there's something different about those folks. When, that, when we live a Christian life, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Understand this, the glory is not for you and I. The victory that we get in the Christian life is not so that men will look at us and say, wow, that's somebody special, but they'll look at the God in us and say, wow, what a God that can bring somebody who was a sinner on their way to hell and see them changed in their life in a different direction. So that is the first step, though, in to live a victorious Christian life. First off, you've got to be a Christian, so you've got to have salvation from sin. You can never live victory over sin if you've never gotten the one who had victory over death and hell and the grave living inside of you. So you first off, you've got to understand salvation. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, I'm glad that the Savior uh, defeated the satanic power of the devil when he hung on the cross. He died on an old rugged tree. He was shed his blood for you and I. He was buried, conquered death, hell, and the grave, took the keys of hell from Satan, and up from the grave he arose, and he offers life to anyone who will receive it. You cannot live victory over sin until you have the victorious Savior as part of your life. You got to be saved. And that's the biggest thing. You say, why are we left here on this earth? Why do we still uh, have to do here? Because you know what? It would have been just so wonderful if we got saved and boom, we were with the Lord. But God's given us as a testimony of what his goodness can be is that somebody who's a sinner like I was could be saved and brought into his family and become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And there's many people that can give testimony of where they used to be to where they are now. I was listening to a song this morning about give him the glory and we were praising the Lord for it and all this but it talks about do you remember when you were drowning in a sea of sin and you were going down for the last time but you called upon his name and he reached down his nail scarred hands and he lifted you out so remember where you were back then and thank him for where you are now and I just begin to think give him the glory why because of the, uh, the salvation from sin that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ you can never have victory and have a Christian life until you actually have the one living inside of you that can help you to live as he is and so you got to have that first salvation from sin see the savior defeated uh, the satanic power of the devil and the spirit defeats the deadness and dullness of deception that comes in mine and your life the spirit of god helps us to understand some things and the scriptures help defeat uh doubt uh from people because they see what the lord has done and it gives us testimony of it but the whole fact of the matter is if you're in this room today and you're not saved because you put your faith and trust in the lord jesus christ then you're on your way to hell I don't care if you've lived in church or come to church your whole life. I don't care how much good you have done. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 said the whole thing that we needed to understand. It's for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of anything that I have done or anything that you have done. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Brother Eddie, if I could do good enough things to get to heaven, I could boast about myself. I could say, man, I'm somebody special. You know why? Because I did everything I needed to do in order to gain heaven. But the Bible says because of sin, I fall short of the glory of God. 
sin in my life. There's nothing I can do to gain heaven's glory. But it's all about what he did. And we talked about those three crosses of Calvary. And remember we had that cross of redemption. The one in the middle that came to redeem and to seek and to save that which was lost. And that was everybody who's ever been born physically on this earth has been born lost and in their sin. And we have to come to the place where we realize that the only way we can have life is through the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can get victory when he's part of your life. He's your savior. The first step in the victorious Christian life is you got to become a Christian. you got to be saved. That's the first step. Second one, not only do you need to have salvation from sin, but there's got to be sincerity in your service for the Lord. There's got to be some sincerity in your service for the Lord. Look at uh, Romans, if you would, please. Romans chapter number 12. Very familiar verse. Most of you can quote this verse or quote these verses. But I want you to look at them because God placed them there on purpose. There's got to be some sincerity in your service. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. This is what he says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. You know what he's saying? I I beseech you. He's saying, listen, I beg of you. I want you to listen up. I'm beseeching you, trying to beg you to do this. By the mercies of God... That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, there's got to be some sincerity in your service for the Lord. We have to understand that once we're saved, we have been bought with a price. Therefore, the Bible says to glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There's not one person that's ever been born again that is excused from service to the Lord. We all are to be servants for the Lord Jesus. We're all supposed to serve him with sincerity And in truth, the Bible says, we're supposed to have a sincerity about our service for him, not some made up type service. Not some putting on a show type service, but actually a sincere service for God. Why do you do what you do? Why do you serve him the way that you do? Do you serve him for men's applause? Do you serve him so people can say, wow, look at that person over there? Or do you serve him because he's worthy of your service? That ought to be the reason. You ought to be serving him with a sincere heart because of the sincerity that he had in dying on an old rugged tree to take my sin and your sin. And by faith, I've received him as my savior. Therefore, I need to present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. He said, which is your reasonable service. It is not wrong for God to ask you to serve him in any facet of ministry. Why? He's worthy of it. If God says, I want you to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, you know what he's saying is, that is my commission for all of my children to be a servant, to serve me with their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. You ought to love him. Be sincere. In your service. You know, part of uh, having sincerity in your service, there's some uh, attributes that you'll find when somebody's really sincere in their service. First thing you'll see is somebody that's sincere in their service, they're truthful about things. 
we always make up things a lot of times with our mind. You'll have truth, truthfulness in their speech. Look at Psalm chapter 15. Psalm 15 and verse number 2, the Bible says this, He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. Speaketh the truth in his heart. You've got to be sincere in your service. Be truthful about it. I'm either sincere about it or I'm not. Let's just be real. Are you getting sincere in your heart to the Lord? You're going to be truthful about the thing. Uh, a lot of us can just testify today. You don't have to raise your hand about it, but let's just be honest. Put away the facade, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. Why do you serve him? Let's be truthful about it. Because if you're, if you're genuine in your service for the Lord, he's going to let you know that it's real. If it's not real, he's going to show you that you're doing this for your own self-gain and your own glory. So we need to be truthful about it. Look at Proverbs chapter number 8. Proverbs chapter number 8, and verse 6 and 7. Here, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things, for my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Being truthful. Look at Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. See what it says? He that speaketh truth showeth forth what? So how do you show a sincerity in your service? Speak truthfulness. Be truthful about things. But not only is there truthfulness, there's total commitment. Look at Psalm 37, verse 5. Psalm 37. Verse number 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. See what it says? Commit. Thy way unto the Lord. We need to have commitment. I think a lot of times we're afraid of commitment. We're, we're afraid of commitment. We're afraid of, Lord, I'll do this because then we feel we're committed to do what we told God that we would do. So we just don't make any decision for the Lord. We're not real sincere in our service because we don't want to be tied down. We don't want to join a church because we don't want to be tied down to a church. We just want to go and attend a church and be free to do whatever we want to do. We don't want to have to do these things. Why? But God wants you to be sincere in your service. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. There's got to be salvation from sin. You've got to have sincerity in your service. Look at Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. 
Let's look at verse 27 down through verse number 29. Philippians 1, 27 through 29. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. See what he's writing, what the Apostle Paul's writing to the church of Philippi here. As he says this, that I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So if you're going to have a victorious Christian life, there's got to be salvation from sin. There's got to be a sincerity in your service, but there's got to be steadfastness even through suffering. Steadfastness through suffering. Uh, We've all gone through difficult times. We've all gone through difficult situations. Sometimes it seems like life picks you up and slams you against the ground, knocks all the wind out of you, and we're ready just to wave the white flag of surrender, throw in the towel, say, we're done with this, this Christianity thing, I'm tired of it. It seems like whichever direction I go, it just seems like I just get picked up and slammed back against the ground again. Well, of course there is because you're in a battle. You're in a war in a Christian life. Uh, There's never been a war that I've ever heard of that was pleasant. There's never been a battle that's ever been fought that uh, both sides just had this agreement that said, hey, you know what, we're not really going to fight. We're just going to agree together to walk together in this way. No, that's not, it's a battle. You serve the Lord, you try to get victory over sin, guess what, you're going to have some suffering that's going to come, but you need to be steadfast in that suffering. We need that when persecution comes, we need to be steadfast. When painfulness uh, things come, we need to be steadfast. When the, the problems of this world come, we need to be steadfast. The Bible says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Listen, you can get victory over the Christian life as you begin to serve God with sincerity and the problems begin to come. You just dig in your heels and say, I'm not moving, I'm steadfast. For the Lord. One of my favorite verses, Acts 20, uh, 28, says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which set before me to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Listen, we need to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, having a victorious Christian life. We've got to have salvation from sin, sincerity in our service, steadfastness in our suffering. We also need to have our shortcomings subdued. You say, what do you mean by that? Uh, Shortcomings are harmful, uh, damaging, malicious things that happen uh, in our life. Those shortcomings are things that we uh, sin against. Those sins which just so easily beset us. They're things that uh, derail us, get us off track. All of our, our faults, our failures, the things we're incapable of, our sinful nature. Those are our shortcomings, the things that we think we have the power for. All the deceitfulness in us, the pride in us, the lies in us, all of those things, it said they need to be subdued. What do we have, how, how do we bind them instead of us being bound? Well, that comes with fear of problems being turned into trust in God. 
Instead of being fearful of the, the outcome, learn to trust God for the future. We have to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and in the power of His might. See, our weakness can be turned into triumph because of the strength that comes through the Lord. Uh, oftentimes, we, we allow our shortcomings to stop us from serving the Lord. But understand, we all have shortcomings. We all have problems that in our own ability, we're incapable of doing. There's things in every one of our lives, we can say, well, you know what, I have this inability, or maybe, you know, I have this uh, physical handicap, or maybe I've got this problem, whatever. There's no way that God could use me. Just read through the Bible all the times that God used people that had shortcomings, which was every one of them, how God used those people and did something miraculous through them. I'm thinking of 12 men right now that turned the world upside down, that if you looked at their life, you'd say, wow, they've got a lot of shortcomings. They've got a lot of problems in their life. Man, there's some that, are, that are, uh, don't know how to bite their tongue. They just speak out at everything without engaging their brain first. We could all think of Peter, right? But Peter, uh, God used him, didn't he, to preach at Pentecost. Even after he denied Christ, even after he led others away, said, I, I go a-fishing, and he took other people away from it. He was still one that stepped out of the boat and walked on water. He's still one that God used to see thousands of people saved. He's one that helped a man at the gate called Beautiful, said, rise up and walk. And they took him in, and he testified of Jesus Christ. Listen, God can use your shortcomings if you'll give them to him. We all have shortcomings. And we just need to subdue these and quit uh, making excuses. Look at uh, Colossians, if you would, please. Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1 and 2. Look what it's, or actually, let's read a couple of verses here. Starting in verse 1, If ye be then risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So why, why do we allow our shortcomings to stop us from doing this? Understand this, you're dead, and you're hid with Christ. When you're hid in Christ, he said this, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. When you set your affections on things of the earth, your shortcomings rise up to the occasion. And they make you fall short of what you're supposed to do for the Lord. But when you set your affections on things above, it's not about your abilities, about your strength. It's all about what he's able to do through somebody who's a willing vessel to be used. You can get a victorious Christian life, but Satan uses our shortcomings to stop us from trusting God. He uses our shortcomings to stop us from triumphing and getting victory. He uses our shortcomings to, to make, us, uh, to make our, us think of our faults uh, that, that could be turned into to these talents that are used, that God can use in his life. See, the things that, that we struggle with, those people that say, well, I'm not a good order, I'm not good at speaking, God can use them to still think of Moses. Remember what he said, I... I I, I can't speak well. There's no way Pharaoh can listen to me. I, I, I'm not one of speech. So he gave him Aaron to help him. And who did most of the talking? Moses did. Why? Even though Aaron was there. Why? Because in our shortcomings, God can use our shortcomings to show his glory through it. I thought about Peter and John when they're in there standing, testifying of Jesus. They said, these are ignorant, unlearned men. 
How can they be doing this? How can all of this stuff be happening? Because they were looking at their shortcomings saying, Brother Eddie, how can they do this? And you know what they're saying? It's, it's a Jesus whom thou crucified. It's all about him. See, our shortcomings can show the strength of the Lord. Can show the strength for the Lord. There's got to be salvation from sin, the sincerity and service, the steadfast in the suffering. Our shortcomings need to be subdued. We need to have some strength in our separation. Some strength in our separation. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. So far, everything that we've discussed, most people are on board with this. They're saying, yeah, preacher, I, we need to have salvation from sin. We need to be sincere in our service. We've got to have that. And Lord, yeah, we need to be steadfast through the sufferings. And we need to have our shortcomings subdued. When you talk about separation... People start getting a little on edge when you start talking about separation. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 17. Let me ask you a question. Who was the book of Corinthians written to? The church of Corinth, correct? Believers in Christ. Look what it says. Wherefore, come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. What's it mean to be strong in our separation? It means we need to have some convictions about sinful practices. You say, what are you talking about? As a child of God, you ought not to get comfortable with sin. You ought not to get comfortable with sin. You know, my wife and I were just talking about this the other night, how oftentimes we can sit down to watch a show, and man, there's some curse words on it, and we just kind of never even think about it. Those curse words are just thrown out there, and man, it just never—it just doesn't bother us. There, a couple years ago, somebody gave us a video, said, "Hey, your kids would love this," and we always have a custom. We watch the video before uh, we let our kids see it or whatever. And they gave us this little cartoon for our kids to watch, and so my wife and I put it on. And within like the first five minutes, they had music that I wouldn't approve of for my kids, and they had some words and some innuendos that I wouldn't have approved of. But you know what happens? We just get kind of desensitized to sinful practices because we haven't learned what separation is all about we think separation is just okay well I'm saved so I'm different than them because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus but separation is coming out from among them and separating unto Christ which means the things that he dislikes you dislike the things that he are displease him displease you listen we ought not to be comfortable with seeing the nakedness of the world that ought not to, we ought not to be comfortable by that. We ought not to get comfortable with uh, the performances of the world or acting like the world or doing those things. We ought to have some convictions about sinful practices. If it was wrong at one time, it's still wrong today. By the way, homosexuality is wrong according to the Bible. Somebody who says they're a man or was born a man that says they're a woman, that's wrong. It's wrong. God made you what he wanted you to be. If you're a man, God made you a man, be a man. If God made you a lady, a woman, be a woman, be a lady. That's how God intended it to be. But the fact is, we get so, uh, well, we just got to tolerate everything. We don't have to tolerate everything. We don't have to tolerate sin. Children, by the way, it is still right for you to obey your parents. But you know what? We just get desensitized and we don't have any convictions about sinful practices. I believe men ought to look like men. Ladies ought to look like ladies. I shouldn't have to decide, well, I wonder what they are. 
I shouldn't have to think about it. When somebody looks at my family, they shouldn't have to decide if Carter and I are the males in the family or if we're the females in the family. Somebody asked me one time, Brother Guy, where's your feminine side? I said, I married her. That's my feminine side. I don't have one. God didn't intend me to have a feminine side. He made me a male. Praise the Lord. All you guys should rejoice in that. Amen. And you ladies ought to rejoice that we're not females either. Praise God for that. The fact of the matter is, though, we ought to have some convictions about our sinful practices. You know why we don't get victory over the Christian life? Because we don't have a conviction. Now, what is a conviction? It's not an opinion. A conviction is something that you have developed based on a truth that is sure. That means the Bible said it, that's my conviction. You know, I have a conviction that once you're saved, you're always saved. Why? Because it's eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. Uh, he says it's forever. It's eternal life. You'll never perish. I have that conviction. Why? That's God's word. I have a conviction that salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. We already read those verses. That's what the Bible teaches. I have a conviction that baptism is by immersion. Because everywhere you read in Scripture, it talks about baptism being under the water, coming up out of the water. And it's always done after salvation. I have that conviction. I have a conviction that there's one man, one woman for one lifetime. Why? Because that's what the Bible teaches. That's what I believe in. Why? That's what the Bible says. I believe that we ought to live a life that's holy and acceptable unto God. Why? Because it's our reasonable service. The Bible says so. That's our convictions. Now, I can say, well, I don't prefer a man wear pink. That's my opinion. Okay, that's my opinion. If you wear pink, doesn't mean I'm not going to like you. Doesn't mean I'm not going to shake your hand. I just have a different opinion than you. And you're not going to find in the Bible where it doesn't say, well, it might. It says man ought to wear that pertaining to a man or woman. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. See, that's just my preference. But I can't say that that is a conviction based off the Bible. That's my opinion. But I don't need to stand up here and preach opinions. I need to preach the convictions of the Lord Jesus Christ because convictions convict. Understand that convictions convict. When you live convictions, other people get convicted by it because you're living with the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life we got to have some convictions about our life again. We'll get victory over a lot of things if we'll just start developing some convictions in our life. Like, let nothing that defiles enter in. I believe it's wrong for a Christian to drink. I believe that's wrong. Why? The Bible says it's wrong. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. I believe it's wrong for that. I believe it's wrong for God's children to smoke. Why? Because we're defiling the temple of the Lord. I understand it's a struggle. I understand people that are doing it. But listen, you ought to be trying to get victory over these things. You ought to be trying to set some convictions in your life. Praise the Lord. If I can give testimony about this, Matt, can I give testimony about what you told me yesterday? Eight days? Ten days. Ten days he hasn't smoked a cigarette. Praise the Lord for that. What a blessing. You know what? He made a conviction. This is what the Bible says. I'm going to try to do this. And God's been helping him. Praise the Lord for that. The fact is, we'll get victory over sin when we start setting some convictions in our life. You know what? I believe that we ought to uh, not talk like the world. We ought not talk like the world. We ought not to allow the world's philosophy of music and the world's philosophy of everything else be infiltrated into the church. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Listen, here's what you use as a litmus test. Is God okay with it? If God is okay with it, then do it. If God is not okay with it, it doesn't matter whether you believe it. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. 
By the way, I, we talked about homosexuality, which is an abomination of the Lord, and most everybody in here be like, praise the Lord, preacher, that's right. But also says lying lips are an abomination of the Lord. And we're like, well, preacher, it's just a little white lie. There's no such thing as a white sin. Jesus died on the cross because of it. See, we have just allowed so many sins to be so evident in our life, and it's just so uh, rampant in the world that it just desensitizes us to the whole fact of sin is sin. A holy God has to judge sin. You know why people are dying and going to hell because of sin? And if we would get a conviction that we're supposed to be separate, does that mean we're never going to sin? No. But we ought to be getting victory over it. Listen, we ought not to be 25 years in the same sin just because we can't get victory over it. I had some guy come to me several years ago and said, Preacher, I'm struggling with pornography. I said, well, let me ask you a question. What are you doing to try to stop it? He said, what do you mean? I said, Get rid of your computer. Get rid of your phone that you can access it on. Get rid of it. Well, well, preacher, I need my phone. Get a flip phone. They still make them. I said, what you're doing is you're, you're not taking the, 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 problem, the, the, the problem that you have. You're not subduing your, your shortcoming. And you're not getting victory because you haven't set up some convictions that says, my eye affects my heart and I will set no wicked thing before my eye. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Psalm 101 verse 3. Maybe you ought to set some convictions in your life based on the word of God that, listen, I'm going to please my heavenly father no matter what I have to do. And I'm going to make some sacrifices. Listen, that guy was struggling with this for years and 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 years. Why? Because he just kept submitting to the flesh. Submitting to the flesh, submitting to the flesh, and not getting rid of those things that are causing him to do that. You understand Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What that means is, if you want to have victory, and you want to have a happy, prosperous life, you don't go around people that get you to do wrong, you don't put yourself in a situation that people are doing wrong, and you don't uh, put yourself in a situation where you struggle and you have a stronghold. If you have a stronghold of alcohol, don't go to the bar. Just that simple. Don't put it in front of you if you, want, if you don't want to get victory over it. But oftentimes what we have done is God said, well, I'm saved and I've just got to be out in the world. And the Bible says I got to live of the world. No, it said be in the world, but not of the world. That means we have to live amongst lost people. We're going to live around people that are of their father, the devil. But we ought to be different than them. Come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. Separation is something that we're missing. Now, do I believe that everybody that comes to church ought to look right, dress right, do right? I believe as you grow in Christ, you're going to change in the, the way that you appear. But I think there's people coming in all different walks of life. And we ought to see people that, that come in here, it seems like they've got tattoos everywhere. They've got earrings everywhere. They got, guess what? God wants to save them too. And we ought not to push them out. The fact of the matter is, but they, want to, they ought to see something different. They come in, how could somebody love me in the way that I am right now? Because God loved us in the way, he, the way that we were. And that's how we ought to be setting that example. Listen, we ought to be reaching sinners, compelling them to come in. Let's not push people away. One other thing, I, I know this is a little rabbit trail, but I, I think God says this, suffer the little children to come unto me and uh, go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Listen, we ought to never treat anybody as if they're inferior to us. Just so you understand that. And I believe that's Bible. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. I praise God for these bus kids that are coming. Thank the Lord for that. You know what? But they haven't been raised the way a lot of us were. They don't have the same home life that you and I have. And we can look at them and say, well, I don't know how they are. No, they need a godly example.
They need somebody to love them to Jesus. They need somebody to show them the grace and the mercy of the Lord. And you know what? Where are they going to get it if they don't get it in God's house? The fact is, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. We ought to have some convictions because convictions convict. Opinions usually stink. Why? Because there's no really foundation to them. But if we have convictions in our life, then they begin to convict people strong in our separation. The Bible tells us to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Listen, we can get victory in the Christian life because we have the one who, who is victorious over sin. The reason that we don't get victory is either one, we're not saved and we're not following his leading. Secondly, is we are saved and we're not following his leading, not following the word of God. I can tell you somebody who's not walking with God is they're not getting victory over sin. If they're walking with God and they're following God, God begins to change them because they're putting on Christ and putting away self. But when we yield to our flesh, we begin to fall. The Bible says pride cometh before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Anytime we don't put God first, we're putting ourselves first, and that's pride. That's pride. We need to be strong in our separation. We need to have some convictions about sinful practices. There needs to be a concern about some spiritual problems in our church. There's some spiritual conditions in people that we know there's some spiritual struggles. You know what? It ought to bring us to our knees to be praying for people, to be praying for strength, to be praying for God, just would you please just help people that are struggling with some of these spiritual problems in their life that they can get victory through those times. And listen, we can have victory, and I'm glad for it. I was just talking to somebody last week. They were talking about those sins which just so easily beset us, those besetting sins. And they asked me, preacher, what is that besetting sin? Is that a sin that we just might as well just get used to it? It's just something that's going to make us trip up all the time. No, what we need to understand is that, that besetting sin, that sin it said, which just so easily beset us, that means that's the thing, the biggest struggle that you, and everybody has one, that's the biggest struggle that you deal with. But it doesn't say that you can't get victory over it. Because the Bible says there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But will with the temptation make a way of escape that you're able to bear it. See, our escape is through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Word of God, who had victory and triumph over sin. The reason that we fall into sin and we're bound by the cords of sin is because we're not giving them to Christ. You know what? I think there's some of us need to come down to this altar today and give that, that besetting sin to the Lord. Give that struggle to the Lord. Give that insecurity to the Lord. And just say, Lord, I'm going to serve you with my life. I'm going to get victory over sin in my life. Because of what Jesus can do for you. I begin to think about people that I've watched that, man, God has saved them. And they, they got excited. They started walking with God. And pretty soon you started seeing a change in their behavior. You didn't have to say anything about it, Brother Eddie. You didn't have to preach about it. You didn't have to say anything. They're just walking with the Lord and all of a sudden they're changing. Man, they're just getting closer to God and closer to God and closer to God. And people where they're working saying, man, what happened to you? What's different about you? Man, a change took place in your life. They can say, yeah, victory happened. And it's victory in Jesus. Listen, we can live the victorious Christian life. In that text verse, it talked about victory. This is the victory that overcome the world, even our faith. Listen, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in following after him. You understand God's plan is better for you than anything you could ever even imagine for yourself. 
And oftentimes we have our own agenda, our own plan, things that we want to see happen. And we don't want to trust God because we have to step out by faith in order to trust God. But listen, faith pleases the Lord. If you don't have faith, it is impossible to please God. It said, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Well, who's our, who is our faith in? Is it in Christ? Because that's the one that overcometh the world. If it's in ourself, we didn't overcome the world. But Christ overcame the world by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And I'm glad in this passage of scripture in 1 John chapter number 5, verse 7, let's continue to read. It said, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. You notice they're all capitalized which means they're given a name to a specific person. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And look what it said. These three are one. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all triune. They're all equal. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'm glad for the Trinity. I'm glad we have the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Even though Jesus isn't here walking around physically on this earth, we have part of God living inside of us, the Holy Spirit, and we shall be called the sons of God. And because of Jesus Christ living inside of us, we can then get victory over these sins in our life that normally we couldn't have done by ourselves. But it takes salvation from sin. It takes sincerity in your service. Get a sincere heart about it. Be steadfast through the suffering. Have your shortcomings subdued. And be strong in your separation. Listen, we need to be careful of the testimony that we leave to others. When they see us, do they see Jesus in us? Or do they just see somebody who is living a double standard? The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What's that mean? That means when you live for Christ on Sunday, but you live for self on Monday and Tuesday, and then you live for yourself most of Wednesday but Wednesday night you come to church and you live for God then and then Thursday and Friday and Saturday are yours again and uh, God only got a couple days that week because that's when other people saw you and you want to make sure that you were uh, having a good testimony amongst the church people listen what about the world when they see you you want to know what kind of testimony you have for God ask your co-worker ask some lost person hey when you think of the testimony that I have. If you could sum it up in one word, what would it be? Be careful if you say that, though. Because if you're not living a, a clean life, they're, they're going to tell you you're not living it. There's been several people I've talked to before that said, why do I need salvation? My neighbor says they're a Christian and they live just like me. I see them partying. I see them drinking. I hear them listening to all that music that I listen to. What do I have to change to be a Christian? The fact of the matter is a lot of things change because when you get saved and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, there ought to be a change. The Bible says you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. We ought to get some convictions because convictions convict others because they're not led by us. They're led by truth, truth in the word of God. They ought to be convictions based on the Bible. You know what? I think people appreciate when you live convictions, but they don't like it when you give opinions. If I can say, well, listen, I think it's wrong because God said this. That's why it's wrong. They'll respect it. They may not like it, but they'll respect it. Why? Because you're just living a truth. You're living a 
something that's sure. And they say, well, you know, even though I don't like it, even though I don't agree with it, they're living it because that's what the Bible says. But if you just say, well, I don't think you ought to do this because that's my opinion. Now, listen, the world's going to fight. Satan's going to fight. But let's just be steadfast through it. Let's keep living, following the Lord. Get in your Bible. Pray. Walk with God. Get rid of those things that are so easily beset you. Well, how, how do I get rid of them, preacher? You give them to the Lord. Every day, give them to the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. He said, I got to crucify my flesh daily. I got to get rid of my own desires daily. Otherwise, I'm not going to live for God. We can have victory, the victorious Christian life. With heads bowed, eyes closed.